How you doing guys? I'm Scott Gibson and this is the Escapade Show episode 17. And welcome along to another edition of the Escapade Show, who we're very pleased to be joined with the comedian legend Scott Gibson. Thank you, boys. Welcome. Comedian Scott. and legend. Yes. Both. What would you rather first? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, we've got a mutual friend in Mallorca Lee who's been on the show. Well, does friends a lot are, of what we're saying. Friends are strange words. That's know, a strong word. We know the same guy. We know a guy. We know a guy. But yeah. one of the things he said that he actually hates the word legend. Right. Because he's like, ah, it's just banded about too easy. Everybody's a legend now. I mean, he, he is a legend. <laughs> he actually I mean? is a legend. And But once he's got enough alcohol and or other things in him, he then will admit to being a legend. <laughs> and the normal run of the mill, he thinks he's just one of the guys. Humble sober. Right. Although it is nice to be in an actual studio recording a podcast instead of Mel's bedroom. Yes. Is that, <laughs> so is that where you guys do the hashtag show then? He, I, 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 I mean, I'm doing my disservice. It is a studio. It totally uh, is. In the sense that it's got a computer and there's egg boxes still <laughs> to the walls but it's yeah. a lovely setup it's where we call home so how long I've been in there many times so <laughs> you have actually aye of course he's I. got all the old school equipment doesn't he when I go to Miles we I like to just you know use all his instruments yep. you know get the bits down and then we come and work in here to get it finished because Mal will tell you he's notorious for just what was I doing there what, what, what was I doing there and then we're just kind of going around in circles <laughs> Like and I say, we, right, we're doing this now, man. Let's go. Weirdly, <laughs> weirdly, you guys, you know, with the podcast that we do, when we go to record, I mean, we, we don't have any, we've never changed the setup, but it's mm-hmm. three guys, three mics talking. Mm-hmm. But the time that is involved, now, I'm not tech minded or studio mind, you've obviously got the wonderful Eugene doing the background. Big here. shouts to Eugene over there. But I. The fact that we don't change anything, nothing changes from episode to episode, it could easily take Mal anyway for 15 minutes to two hours to mm-hmm. set up the exact same thing and just when you sit back and just watch Gary a little get angrier and angrier and angrier it's, it's a beautiful thing <laughs> keeps the energy in the room of course it does he says uh, he spends quite a bit of time on the old editing as well doing that I, I think he likes to think he, he likes to tell us that it's a six seven hours of show you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's get the edit I mean it's, again it's a hard it's something that you don't think about do you know what I mean like when you that's massive when you're having to put some, any kind of thing together like even just now I'm I'm Try to master my the recording of the last show that I did mm-hmm. to put out the album, and even stuff like that man, it yeah. takes. People think it's literally just cut, cut. You're going, no, it takes a, it's a lot of work. It's, man, it's got it? to make sense as well. I think that's like you know the hard thing. It's like cutting all this together, putting the jingles in, you know, yep. making it something that's yep. like a storyboard almost. You know, totally it's, it's not until you open up the can of worms, you realise how much. But you hear that a lot of the time, especially with like film guys or camera guys or even music. Like, ah, I'll not be long. Just a, just have you bit of music. I'll take uh, about just, ten minutes. Just take an hour. I'll take about ten minutes. I'll honestly, honestly, what you want? Your tenner, fifteen quid uh, or something. Uh, that, like, cover it. And you're like, mate, you're talking about at least three days here. Do you uh, know what I mean? Like an intro on it. Put it out. You're fine. Uh, two things. Two things. You know, I guess that's that is uh, the the creative industry as a whole. Though it's always overlooked and kind of undervalued. Time. Aye, yeah. aye. Because when I did my first album that I put out for the very first show that I done, I got an, Amer- an American company offered to produce it for me called Dynamics. It's like a massive company in the States, man. They do like everybody, you know, like Bill Burr and like Rogan. Bill all, Burr all is huge. Right? So like when they came over and asked me, like, I was like, fucking yes, man, 100%. Yes. But they had sent me, so they came down to London to record it and then they had sent me a recording and I thought that it was it was done. Like, no, you need to listen through it and, and let us know if you're happy. And I'm going, I can't even listen to my show. One, like, I cannot listen to it one more time. And it took me a good 
two weeks to finally go right. <laughs> I need to sit and listen to this shite, man. I need to listen to it <laughs> through one. I'm just sitting going, I can't hear these words one more fucking time. Uh-huh. But, then once you get but having that was amazing to have like somebody just cut it and I just sent them times and it was fine. But like having doing this one with another company, it's so much work involved, man. Like people don't people appreciate the work that goes into like the, the back end or stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So when's the new one coming out? Yeah, what's the concept behind that? Aye. Tell uh, us more. So it's just the, the last show was called Like Father, Like Son. Um, so I've recorded, got a couple of recordings of that. The, the last one, the very first album put out, Life After Death, was the kind of show that kind of I won the award for and kind of helped me kind of move on a bit. And um, it, I kind of try to learn everything that I do moving on. So that one, I just recorded one show and and put it out. Um, but I was doing a two-week run down in London, and, and looking back, I wish I had recorded more, because there's obviously, it's like anything else, there's nights that are better than others, you mm-hmm. know, and a friend of mine who is a, is a big, big, big comic, and like DVDs and specials and whatnot, he always tells me he records three nights, so he just funds it himself, so they, they'll pay for one night, the production company, he just funds it to have... <coughs> just for better content? Yeah. Just so that he's got three nights to, mm-hmm. to look from. back on, do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Just, and, and run it, because it's the same show, so just run the show three times, and then the audience might be better, you might be in a better mood, how it yeah, works. Yeah. So this time I've got I've got four recordings to, so I just need to sit and go through them and decide what I'm, what I'm going to do, because my problem is I don't always do the same thing mm-hmm. every night, so I need to try and get it. This one's been a bit harder to kind of put together, and... Also, we'd spoke about before we recording the time I do. Some would say far too long in my show, so try to reduce it down. I was constrained to the hour, the first one, but this time it's probably going to be about an hour and a half, hour forty. So it's just getting that, getting that down, and that then deciding what you do with it. No, because like mm-hmm. I was, I was trying to get them pressed out of vinyl, but getting getting an hour out of vinyl, man, forget it. Do you know what I mean? You're like six records or something. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Even that's changed as well. Like people used to sell CDs and. Yeah, that doesn't happen now, so it's all no. just kind of online. So you're just trying to decide what to do with it, how to distribute it now. Aye, that? and and I, and I think as well, like it's trying to change your mindset of letting something go. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I think I, I see a lot of comparisons with like comedy and music, yeah, certainly same. in the industries, Absolutely. where people will spend a lot of time working on their own thing, and then they put it out there. And I, and I, I think now I'm in the mindset where you need to get to the stage where you need to let it go and move on to something else. Too many people, I think, hold on to stuff and go, this is going to make me a million quid. You can I'm hold on to stuff for like 20 years Aye. with that mindset, can't you? Totally. So now I just, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to distribute it. I didn't know how I was going to sell it. And I, in the end, I thought, you know what? I, I just need, I need people to hear it because I'm going to keep making shows. Mm-hmm. So Spotify, iTunes, it's on Bandcamp, on the website, and just let it go. If you've got Spotify stream it, download it, whatever. If you want to buy it, buy it for a band camp and a fiver and mm-hmm. stick some money in. And if you get some money, you know, you get yourself a payment or whatever or mm-hmm. use it for something. But there's no point in trying to hold on and think somebody's going to give me money for this or I can sell it. No, you just need to put it out and hopefully people hear it and then they come and see the new Well, that's the exposure you're looking going. for, isn't it? Because then they're going yeah. to hear that content and then someone interesting or important or some booking agent or whatever might hear that and go, right, let's get that guy, yeah. which is worth more than well, that tenor is, that you could it, have sold it, it for. It goes back to like, Fans buying tickets as well, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's it, man. It. Like, well, he's going to be playing there. I love that. I'm going to go and then there's cash in that. Obviously. It's, it's the same the la- music. Everything's driving towards life. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and that's the I think that's the problem. And I mean, obviously, I don't know a lot about music industry, but certainly for comedy, people want the easy road. Do you know what I mean? People want to be offered a TV show or a panel show or you want anything else, but with that comes incredible restraints restraints that not a lot of people are, are willing to give up 
Mm-hmm. Do you mean that you have to edit certain things or content or stuff that you can't discuss or, or they want it to, to completely change you mean a different theme? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other side is you just think, do you know what? That is not for you. Forget all that. And you just concentrate on being a live act and just producing live content and doing your own thing. The Without those restraints. That's it. You said that there about like the, the difference between doing your own thing versus kind of going for the bigger label or whatever, you know? The bigger label will constrain you. Mm-hmm. Whereas, it, but there's a chance that you could blow through it. Yeah, but you know, if you don't really care about that, you can just crack on with your own thing. Yeah, no limitations, no constraints. You know? I think it's down to experience, though, as well. I mean, like guys that are maybe going out there, like if, let's relate it to comedy, going out and tasting the comedy world and thinking, "That's it, I want the show, I want the big sort of platform." Mm. Yeah, you know, the grass is not greener on the other side. You know, we talk about it. We know world tour and DJs, and their lifestyle is hectic. You know, yeah. they're not in a great place because they've got to constantly travel. Sometimes straight from the hotel to the club back to the airport and then it's like to another country and you think you always think oh that'll be it I've made it I've hit the highlights but really it's like when you start controlling your content and things that we were speaking about earlier with some of the yep. nowadays it's quite dicey to be a comedian oh, big time, I think right. the best comedians are the ones though, that, that walk that line well though. that are dicey uh-huh. Aye. That right. managed to break through because thing is you're always going to get a, a sort of hailstorm, a, a shite getting thrown your way, especially <laughs> when you say something bad. Yeah, I mean nowadays, but as long as they're saying something, that's what matters, really, isn't it? I mean, I, I think that, and I can only talk to me personally. I think nowadays it's people are so easily offended, or, or they're coming with the attitude of. I think they used to come with the attitude of, "I'm going to have a laugh and this is going to be funny." Yeah, and now they come with the attitude of, "This could be offensive." I or, can't wait for this guy to offend I'm, me. I'm going to sit here in the Why back. Where would you food. go? I don't, mate, I have asked myself so many things. How did you go along with that attitude there? I've done it when club, I mean, club work in the UK, when you're doing club gigs, it's, you know, it can be, it can be either or, you can have really good clubs and they can have a, a, not a difficult audience because you need to play every room, but you can have like, you know, people who are like stagging hens and Mm -hmm. different groups and things like that. And some people will be very, some comics will be kind of, Almost classes are like, oh, I'm I'm not playing to stag parties. And going like, it's just people. Mm-hmm. It's just people. Some of the best gigs I've had is in really really nice clubs, and there's maybe three or four stag parties in the room. It's just how you control that. Yeah. Do you know I mean, if you let that get on top of yeah. you, then they'll they'll swallow you whole. But Aye, if you can will. control that and you get the room Go going, with it. it's great. But but now, you know, now I'm at the point where when you do so, when you do club work in the UK, you'll do like twenty twenty five minutes right sets. But it's just I, I'm I'm. Bored of that? Do you mean it's it's a long, it's a lot of travels. It's a long time be yourself to then go and do twenty five minutes of work. Do you mean and 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 our our fun or our gig is the green room when we're hanging out with other acts and you're having a laugh, you're having a good conversation, and then in the mix of that, if you get some old bitter bastard that you're stuck with, you're going to fucking ruin my weekend now because I'm just stuck with your fucking moaning face <laughs> and I'm going to have to go and do this gig to 40 stacks for 25 minutes so that's why I'm certainly pushing for the doing my own stuff and my, mm-hmm. my touring yeah. and I, I, I knew I'd always wanted to do that since I started was the tour and this year has been kind of restructuring the calendar to make mm-hmm. sure that when we come off of the back of Edinburgh that we go straight into the tour rather than having six months of club working and touring in the the spring. I want to make sure I tour through through winter. But even that in itself, like it's you know, it's lonely. You'll you'll maybe do like last tour I did the most was ten days on the road before coming home. But a lot of it is you could be home for two days and then you're back out in the road again and you're going up and down the country and you maybe going over to Ireland or, or whatever and it's it, it does get lonely. I mean, sometimes when you're sitting in Milton Keynes and you've got like eight hours to kill and you're going, I yeah. can't see yeah, yeah. another movie or I'll kill myself, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I do think back to 
when I worked in a call centre. Do you mean I, I was like a civilian? I worked a normal job for seven years, and I'm going. I'll literally do anything to do to not do that. To never, yeah. never go back here again. Because like, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I got up and I went walk the dogs. It's just when you think, see, even when you think it's stressful, and you think back to what That's your old it. life was, you go. It's great to have no that way. in your mind. Oh, though. Great it's to like hear a us. constant kind of replay of you know why you're doing it. Yep. And the thing is, you don't need to hit the major heights as long as you're happy in the simple things. No. That's what you're bang on. I, I had a, I had on. a real conversation like. One of the best conversations I've ever had, and I'll never forget it, with a mate of mine, Jim Muir, who's a comic, does the Reverend Obadiah. And uh, my work at the time when I was working for a company had put us all through the redundancy and then you'd been saved at the last minute and they changed your job. And we had got rumours that it was coming up again and I says to Jim, and at that point I'd been maybe doing comedy three years. I was working a lot and I was travelling a lot and you're coming, you're doing gigs in like Manchester and then driving back up at like two in the morning, going to work at eight. And, and so mm-hmm. it was starting to interfere with work. But I wasn't making enough money for comedy alone to, to take the job. transfer over, so I was really, I was really, really worried. And um, I remember having this conversation with Jim, and I was like, "What?" He says, "What are you afraid of?" And I was like, "Money, mate. I'm, I'm terrified of money." And he says, "Well, how much do you make now?" And at that time, it was like twenty-one grand was my salary. Mm-hmm. And he says, "What do you think you need to make for, for stand-up or for, for your art?" And I says, "I need to make twenty-one grand." He went, "No, you don't. Mm-hmm. Like you don't because." You're not having your lunch every day. You're not getting buses out of town. You're not doing this. And it says, and you just cut everything back because mm. what you think is joy in your, in your own life, like you would go for dinner or you go to your concert, you stay, you're just doing all that to try and numb the pain mm-hmm. of what is this mundane yep, job. Because when I first left and went full-time at a stand-up, I couldn't believe the euphoria that I would feel on a Sunday night knowing that I didn't have to Aye. go to work on a Monday. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that, no matter what happens, <clears throat> that will always be the drive for me that I can always... And obviously... As you go on and you get better and you tour more and the numbers come in, yes, you do get more money, but it's just, you know, I'd be happy yeah. as long as I don't have to go back to that life again. And life that's a good. mindset that will create more, though, because it's like, you know, you're happy, end of the day, you know, and that's what more opportunities yeah. come, you're in that frequency, you know, yeah. that, that, that It's absolutely great to hear. It's it, it's, it really, really is. You know, it's there's very, a lot, there's a lot of people mindset. who come through now, though, young people, and it's like, sometimes when I do gigs to younger audiences, I just think, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Like, what? What argues? There's nothing to you. It's just no. blank, and they they see stuff on the television, or they see, and they, they either think the way success is to either be beautiful, or something will happen, and you'll just get it. And mm-hmm. you're going like, they have no drive or, or passion for anything. Nobody ever has. Now when I when I do gigs, and it's a kind of, and I'm talking like maybe early twenties, right? I'm not talking like you know mid teens. I'm talking people in their, their 21, 22, 23. And I think back to when I was that age, I'm going, there's, there's nothing to you, man. Like, no, there's, no. There's nothing at all. He's in a phone. It's Instagram. Aye, has, hashtagging. No, there's no stories. There's no life. There's nothing. I'm going, I was doing the doors at 18, man. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd left house at 17. No, no, through any hardship in like just because my mum was like, I want rent after you. I went, I'm not buying rent my own house. And then left, got my own flat, my mate had a ball. So when you start working and you have to do it and it just goes for there. Now yeah. I'm seeing people who are like, I was doing a gig not long ago and I was talking to this guy and I can't remember what he did for a job, but he's just working. Like, and I think he was like 29, 28 or 29, working away. And I mean, so where is he? You and your missus got a place? Went, no, no, I still stay with mum and dad. And I was like, mate, you say that with such confidence as if yeah. at 29, yeah. full time, that's the mm-hmm. place to be. Went, oh, yeah. There's no reason to leave. I'm like, there is no reason to leave. 
What's wrong with these people? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just it's a it's a it's a different change in lifestyle, though, isn't it? It's just like with, with technology and all these things, you know, an industry leaving, an industry changing. I mean, it is. It's it's it's, it's worrying. I mean, we do so much work with young what, people as well. There's so much anxiety and, and depression and all that kicking around because there's lack of purpose. Though, isn't there's it? lack yeah. of life. Yeah, and there's totally. like it's Instagram. It's 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 a constant strolling, rapid looking at everyone else's stuff, and then going to a job you hate, and then like, what do I do? Where's my purpose? You know, that's pretty much most people though is that they're all floating about the ocean just no idea where to go do you yeah. know what I mean it's like I always think when people post these pictures on Instagram right it's a just beautiful vista that they've got mm. and it, it is just to go fuck you to people it's so people can go through and go oh my god look at that I, I going, want to be there so what's behind that camera they're probably mm. greeting taking that photo I know or I, they, I, I go back home tomorrow I, or, it, it's just trying to find peace in what you've got do you mm. mean or happiness in what you've got and, and I want to know when people when I see young comics coming through like so we were talking briefly about Red Rod. Red Rod's a, a gig at the Stan Comedy Club does its new material. Tuesday, isn't it? Is it Tuesday? Yeah, yeah. Tuesday, Tuesday night. I was saying I've just reapplied to do some again. And I, uh, so what the Stan used to do was they would rope you into having to MC it, right? Or host it because mm-hmm. they would they would offer you. So you, they would send you an email with a whole load of gigs and go, Scott, we want you to come and do this weekend, this weekend. You're going, yep, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And then go, and we'd like you to host these Red Rods. And you're going, well, I can't say no, no, that you just gave me three <laughs> weekends of work, right? So yeah, you have yeah. to say yes to it. And then it got to the point where I was like, I am, don't ever ask me to host. Because I, I just couldn't handle <laughs> it, man. I could Because I used to think when I started, my whole thing has always been respect, right? Always been since day one. Respect your audience, and respect the venue and respect the people who went before you so respect for the audience is if I'm asking you to pay money for a ticket if I'm asking you to pay £10, £12, £15 to come and see me perform you better fucking get £15 worth a gig right mm, yeah. don't dare stand on there and fuck about or do your wee arty bullshit that you think's cool you better deliver a show now that doesn't have to be content but that can be the surrounding you're in so have a nice room have a bar for them have somewhere they can go to the toilet, have somewhere they can park, they can get to. Mm-hmm. Just have it accessible and have a have a, a space that you as a punter would want to go into, yeah. right? Then have a duration of a show that's worth the money. Don't just do, get somebody to support you for half an hour and you do 20 minutes. It's things like that, right, that bug the fucking shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Then have a respect for, if it's a club, the venue that you're in, turn up in time, say hello to staff, that kind of thing. Don't be a dick. Don't get drunk mm. when you might be working. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Mate, it's, it, it's the basics. It's and the then basics. have respect for all the acts who have gone before you because mm-hmm. they, whether you like them or no, as a person or as an act, they have created the industry you're in just now because they were here before you. Mm-hmm. So all the guys who went before me, Bruce Morton, The Rev, Raymond Mearns, Big Gary, have respect for these people, understand what they do, watch them, learn from them, and move on, right? Mm-hmm. So when I first did my Red Raw, at that time, it was only three months for a booking, right? You could get booked in three months, but now it's like 18 months, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody wants to do it. Mm-hmm. So when I first got my booking, I was like, right, I've got three months. I need to do as many gigs as I can for now until then. So when I get to Red Raw, I fucking smash it, right? Mm-hmm. And then I was hosting Red Raw, and I'm saying to guys, many gigs you've done so far, mate? Oh, this is my first one. I mean, it can't be your first one. You've This has been a year to get this booking. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd see how this goes. You thought you'd see how the best club in the country goes before you get a gig, I'm going to tell you how it's going to go. You're going to go there and you're going to eat a bag of shit. That's what's mm-hmm. going to happen for five minutes. And they would go there and they would die in the fucking chump, right? Or other people would come in and they would sit and they would just be dicks and everything else. And you're going, one time this guy came in, man, right? And that was the final straw for me. So this guy comes in the shadow boxing in the green room, right? 
And I says, you all right, mate? And he went, no, I'm just getting, just getting myself psyched up. And I says, save that energy for the stage, mate. Save that for the stage. And then he went out, right? And he fucking died in his ass, man. But then he comes back in and he sits there. And the worst thing is, if you die in your ass in a, on a gig, you fuck off, right? Aye. Because it's awkward for everybody else. So if you if you know everybody, it's fine. You can come in and you can get the piss ripped out of you. But if you don't know people, you come in and you go, guys, I'm going to go back to the hotel, and you fuck off. And then you come in the next day and you're like, my God, I fucking died my ass. And that's it. We just sat there and I'm like, mate, leave. Leave now. And then sometimes they come off and they just go straight up the stairs and you're like, that, he's got a future because he knows, he knows to just get out of here. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 the lack of professionalism and the, the lack of respect mm-hmm. for the room that they're in or, or, or previous acts was getting to the point where I was like, I can't be in this environment anymore at this level because I never felt that coming up. I, n- I never felt as if I, I showed that lack of respect to people. So now sometimes when I see it with, with newer acts, I'm going, I don't want I don't want to be around yep. this anymore. There are comics who <clears throat> enjoy helping people and enjoy going through it. And I'm I'm all up for helping acts or giving advice where I can, but it's it's difficult when you know you're you know it's how music you're talking to somebody and you're going, No, fucking listen to what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. They're just going, Yep, yes, uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I'm gonna book the fucking O2 and I'm gonna do this, you know what I mean? Jesus I God. Yeah. This is great advice for any young upcoming See, comedian. I think it's so, a, you know, any young creative amazing. as well, because yeah. I'm I'm just drawing comparisons to everything you're saying here. Well, you what, know, the it's the respect you lead the respect, and it's like you know that is it. It's the fundamental, isn't it? But the whole the whole thing is like for me anyway. Like I love I love gigging. Right? I love gigging. It's brilliant. Right? It's what I think is what I was meant to do, and I love doing it. But being backstage, being in a green room, when you're lucky enough to be around like serious level comics and you're sitting there and, and they see you as an equal and you're sitting just having mm-hmm. a conversation you're going this is this is fucking brilliant that's empowering man. that feeling isn't it just being it's, there it's great man and like, the energy you know the uh, I mean I've been lucky to do some really really cool gigs man over over the last couple of years and I played some nice festivals and things like that and one of the one of the maddest I was doing a gig in um, Berwick upon Tweed right last Edinburgh Fringe last August so I get taken out to do this gig at Berwick upon Tweed, and I was to MC it, right? And it used to have this festival called Fringe by the Sea, and it would run you on the fringe, and they would put up this big, massive tent, big kind of, what what's it, the Spiegel tent? Mm-hmm. And they'd run this gig, right? So it was Barry Cryer, you know Barry Cryer? <laughs> right, it's Barry Cryer, man, must be like 80-odd, right? He's like proper, one of the original old oh, guys, man, right? Going for <laughs> years and years. So he's headlining, and I was like, you want me EMC? They're like, yep, they've asked for you. I went, can he have asked for me? They, can he be? It's Barry Cryer and Nina Conti. Like, yep, I went, can he, can he be me? Like, I, this is complete opposites. I went, no, they want you. So Beric upon tweets, fancy, I mean, proper mm-hmm. and posh. So I goes out, and you just find out, like, blah, 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 how you doing? Say kind of cut things out. And they go, oh, my God, it's fantastic. So they just laugh <laughs> up. <laughs> But after it, I'm sitting, and the gig was amazing, right? And, and again, it, it, sometimes you look at a room and you go, I'm going to die my ass here. And it's amazing. It was an amazing gig. And after it, I'm sitting with Barry Cryer, right? And he's, I mean, like a chimney, like chain smoking, man, right? Mm-hmm. And on the becks as well. Just, but I'm like, mate, I never knew you drank. Like, oh, he, says, he says to me, I'm scared if I stop drinking, I'll die. He said, I think the drinks only thing keep me going. And I was like, wow. batter in. So, because we knew we were getting a lift back, we're just sitting, drinking. I'm sitting, I'm going, I'm sitting with Barry Cryer. This is cool, man, right? Next minute, he says, do you mind if my friend comes over? And I went, no, he says, it's my, it's my friend Anne. And I was like, right, so this old woman comes over. I say old woman, she's maybe like in her 70s, right? But she comes over, sits down. I then find out this is Ronnie Corbett's widow. This is Ronnie Corbett's wife. And they had a house in Berwick-upon-Tweed. 
And I sat for two hours as the two of them told me stories about Ronnie Corbett. And I'm going, this is the greatest night wow. of my life. Mate, <clears throat> it brilliant. was an amazing night, man. Right, an amazing yeah. night. And I just sat there, just listening to them tell all these old stories about London in the 50s and putting Ronnie Corbett in a cupboard and all that and having to hide him. It was amazing, man. The stories were brilliant. But you're going, there would have been a lot of acts who I think now younger acts who would have done that gig and then they would have fucked off back into Edinburgh mm-hmm. or whatever it was to be with a little gang mm-hmm. to say, oh, I just smashed the gig in Berwick upon two instead of just being in the, the moment, moment, man, yeah, and just, yeah. just living it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That's mm. it. It goes, I mean, a, a lot's to be said for hanging about after shows, isn't it? It's such a big because part, especially every, everything you've been, well. dance music as well, um, you know, the creative industries in general, the people you want to be around or be in this industry are kicking around. You know, getting wee bits of inspiration from Aye. them, asking them questions. You know, that's definitely it's a good it's a good bit of advice for him actually. Yeah, totally. Is, Hang totally about. Is. Aye, but that's that's Hang the best about. bit of advice I got when I first started. Was somebody said to me, "If you're not gigging at the weekend, be there. Go to a gig and watch mm-hmm. professional comics. Like pay your money. Yep. Go to a gig and watch them how to do it. And even things like for me, it was always like stagecraft, like how people would move the stand or just hold or hold themselves on stage. I mean, just how you conduct a room. Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes you're playing awkward rooms or you're playing big rooms. Like I've done gigs 3,000 seaters and it's a big room, man. Mm. And even things like somebody, the very first time I played the Kings, um, the guy who I was supporting was like, so we went on the stage at the start and he went, right, he says, this is going to be really awkward. Just show me how you're going to stand. And I'm just standing. I went, this is awkward. He went, you need to look. He says, when you come on, there's a fire exit sign right in the balcony, right in the middle. He's like, you need to pitch your eyesight to that fire exit sign. He says, because if you look below that, the top deck will think you're looking down, and if you look above it, it's going to look as if you're looking upwards. So right. you just need to pitch your eyesight <clears throat> okay. to a really awkward spot. But it's because the audience will then it will be more you'll realistic look more for confident. you. Aye. But it'll also look more natural to them, even though you're looking yeah. at a wall. Of course, Do you mean so just golden things nugget. Like that. Golden nugget. What's, what's the difference between like? Kind of playing a, a King's Theatre versus a smaller one. What are the main things? Mate, the big gigs are the easiest gigs you'll ever do in your life. And anybody who says otherwise is full of shit. It's the easiest gig you'll ever do. See, doing a gig to like, so King's is what, 1700, right? I've done the Armadillo. I did a gig in York with Frankie in Manchester, and they were like three and a half thousand. And the gigs are easy. Yeah. They are easy, what man. What makes them easy? I'm, I'm because interested. there's no interaction really well, with the crowd, is there? You can get, but everybody's paid. They've paid big money, right? Yeah, they're yeah. there to see the they're there to see the gaffer, so they're all hyped up. <laughs> they're getting news a wee bit extra. They don't know they're getting a support act, right? And and I used to come on, and I used to they go, I know you don't want me, right? <laughs> I'm, and and I, I used to say the same thing all the time. I used to say, listen, the gaffer's big time. He's been on the telly, right? He's not fucking coming out here to you. Our soul's cold, so he sends out fatty. Why he's up? Just <laughs> tell you. So let's just fucking go over there. And they would soon warm you. Yeah. You do your half an hour they lap it up and then you leave. It's an easy gig because, again, going back to my idea about you're asking people to pay money, right? So they're in a comfortable theatre. Mm-hmm. It's, it's built and designed for, for live us. performance. Yeah. They're all facing the same way. They've all got a drink. They're all, you know, they're comfortable. You they're see the main they're here for comedy, right? You're not having to corral them in off the mm. street. You take that and you compare it with a club or the back of a boozer where mm. there's 40 people. Or shouting over you know, uh, like Who'd rather watch in the football or yeah. doing anything other than that. That is the hard gigs. Yep. But that is what, at the time when you're going through it, you're going, these are shit, man. But that, when you get past it, that is what gives you the training and the bedding to then go out and do mm-hmm. the big gigs. And the big gigs are... They're enjoyable, don't get me wrong. They're enjoy- one of the times when we did the uh, Armadillo, right? 
and I'm pretty relaxed, man. Like I'm, I'm, I think I'm a good support act because I know what I'm there for. So I'm not there to do bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. You get some guys who come on and they get their agents to fly from there. I don't do any of that shit. Mm-hmm. I go and do my job, and then that's it. It's a respect thing. You're respecting uh, who's on right. after, and you're getting the the opportunity. And the other thing as well, somebody had said to me when I first got a lot of bookings for doing support. They're saying, what happens next? And I was like, nothing happens next. Something must happen, mate. I went, nothing happens. And I says, and if you allow that to get into your head, this is me on the road to success. Mm-hmm. No, you have got a booking. And nine times out of ten, after that, fuck all hams. <laughs> right? So enjoy yeah. enjoy the moment. <laughs> just enjoy the gig, man. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, totally. You might never get to gig in front of 3,000 people ever again, so yeah. just fucking enjoy it. I know. So one of the, <laughs> the second time around we were doing the, uh, the Armadillo, right? And it was the worst because I had got a two week of kids TV warm up right and again they phoned me and they went the producer would like you to come in I went you can't, the wrong you, guy. you cannot <laughs> I'm going to hang up now and then you dial the number again and if it comes through to me I'll be shocked and she's like no no they've asked for you especially and I went you can't have asked for me like I could not be any further for kids and I and the weird thing is I get offered kids stuff all the time right I don't want any day with kids comedy I'm no mm-hmm. interested and the thing that annoys me the most is there are comics out there who are amazing at kids comedy mm-hmm. Right, book them, and the producer was going, "We don't want kids acts because they get the kids too hyped up." And I was like, "So you want some grumpy old uncle to come in and shout at them?" <laughs> so then when she told me the money, I was like, "I'll be there on Monday morning." So I took the book at night because it was insane money. Did this for two weeks, but the last week of the two week run, I was supporting Frankie at the Armadillo. So I'm coming yeah. in to do kids Dick and Dom show, man. Oh my god, for eight hours, right? Three right. show records, and then going walking over to the BBC to go and do. Wow. Frankie Bottom Night. So what the contrast, chef. man, was insane. So the <laughs> so insane like, ridiculous, was terrible, man. So the second night at the the, uh, the hydro, the tour manager there, and she's saying, um, so they're putting out announcements, right? The show's going to start, whatever, five minutes. And she says, are you okay to go? And I says, hey, if he's cool, I'm cool. Like, I'll go whenever. And she went, are you sure? And I went, aye, totally. I says, I'm just going to sit here. There's a kind of a sofa thing at the side of the stage. So you're kind of looking out on it. And I says, look, I don't need any, like, warning or anything like that. So just, whenever you're ready to go, just you tell me, and then we'll go, right? And she's like, cool. So she's kind of mulling about, and I can, you know how you can sense somebody's awkward? Like they're wanting to tell you something. I, and I'm going, but is everything all right? And she went like, um, we can't get them out the bar. So I'm pushing myself laughing. I'm going, only in Glasgow you couldn't get them out the bar, right? And again, <laughs> I went, look, I know my job, right? Uh-huh. If you go on and there's still a couple of hundred people coming to their seats, that's just something you have to deal with as a support act, right? It's just part of it. And I says to her, I went, listen, I know my job. If there's a couple of hundred people getting to the seats, she says, there's 1,700 people at the bar. I says, there's what? She went, there's 1,700 people at the bar. I says, so there's less people in their seats. She went, yep, there's 1,700 people at the bar. I was like, how can your bar hold 1,700 people? So we gave it five minutes, man, then another couple of and then you just have to, you just have to go out. Mm-hmm. But the good thing is sometimes when you're on and they come in, they, they do usher to their seats quicker. Mm-hmm. Aye, well, so it takes you in. in. You're like, shit, it's started. There's Aye. urgency there. That's Get it. them in. But the big, the big gigs are, are easy, man. They're easy in the sense that they're all there and they're all hyped up for a, for a night out. So you don't, you really don't have to... Warm that up. Aye, or win them over. Sometimes you need to win them over because they don't want a support act, so they think they're getting... Mm-hmm. You know, two or three hours of Frankie or something like but that that's a bit different. And the TV stuff, the TV warm up, is good as well. Again, you can only do so much with so that as well. What TV stuff have you done then? Um, I, there was a program called Mountain Goats uh, on BBC One, which was god awful, man, mm-hmm. as a series. But so I got to do the warm up for that, and that was quite lucky because Des Clark used to do a lot of the warm up, and they booked me for two of them. And then Des had kind of 
took the bookings for the other four episodes, knowing that he couldn't do it, and kind of knew that I would be good at doing the warm-up, mm-hmm. so he just kind of phased his cell out and let me take the rest of them. So I've done that, I've done a couple of things of Frankie, the autopsy referendum, I did the the new one that he's got, went down to London for that, which was the easiest gig ever, man. Um, some of the kids' stuff. One of the best ones was, I did a thing for Nick Knowles, right, when he's in a lottery show. And when I got the booking again, I thought, this this will be brutal, man. But the good thing is with, with warm-up, it's, it's daytime, so you're doing nothing during the day, right? You may be doing a bit of work or something else. So if, if a daytime booking comes up, you take it, because mm-hmm. it's time when you wouldn't be working. So I got offered this lottery show with Nick Knowles, right? And uh, so we're doing three records, came in, and the guy says to me, uh, he says, this will be the easiest gig you'll ever do. And I says, right, okay. And again, <laughs> Nick Knowles, man, right? Fucking what a legend. I thought, I, you don't know how people are going to be, right? Because I'll tell you another story about Noel Edmonds in a minute. So I was doing this thing with Nick Knowles. So Nick Knowles comes in, suited and booted, man, right? How you doing, Scott? Dalla Bass, it's fucking nice to meet you, mate. He says, listen, it's going to be easy for you. And I was like, everybody keeps telling me this is going to be easy. But it's an easy show. It's just answer questions, a lot of things run through it. But everybody in the audience is like old women, I mean old women, right? Who are absolutely ganting for Nick Knowles, right? They are mm-hmm. desperate to get close to him, yeah. to even get a bit of clothing or something. And a lot of the times, <laughs> as soon as a recording stops, you'll see whoever it is is doing the show just go like, and then they just fuck off. He stays out on the floor, never leaves the floor. So when he's done his wee bit recording and they're resetting or whatever, he'll ju- he just comes up to me and he gave me a couple of questions to ask him. One was about a film he was producing, an album he had coming out, an album. But you just interview him and he just talks. Mm-hmm. And that's what they want. They yeah. don't really want a warm-up going like, so I fucking shot myself. They don't want, they just want Nick Knowles talking. And he understands that. Because again, he didn't come from a you know a performance background or an app. He was a builder, for God's sake. So he mm-hmm. knows what the, his career as his audience. So he's got to work them. But he just stands there and talks to them and does a wee bit with you. And, and it, was, it, was a, it, was, it was an easy shift and it was a great day because mm-hmm. they, they all left proper hyped up, man, thinking they had a really good day. Compare that to fucking Noel Edmonds, so <laughs> my, my mate uh, Mark Oliver, right, who like does every one, he's the warm-up man, right, does every warm-up going, and he's an amazing comic. Um, when the, what was the box thing? The, what was that called? Oh, deal the, or no deal. Deal or no deal. No deal. When Deal or no deal was coming to an end, right, they were doing specials when they were taking the episodes around, right, so they'd done like one in a cave, they'd done one in an airplane, right. And then they were coming up to Glasgow to do one. So they were filming the Christmas special in Glasgow in October, right? And they'd done it in the Kelvin Art Galleries, right? So I get the booking, turns up. Uh, I was told to be there at five o'clock. Comes in at five o'clock and I says, how you doing, I'm Scott? I'm the warm-up guy. And they went like, all right, how do you So they're gutting out the arts centre, they're gutting it out to set up the fucking deal or no deal, right? So the recording didn't start till nine, had to be there at five. And I was like, what, what's... Uh, what's happening here? And they went, look, we just wanted to make sure you knew what it was. I'm going, I literally live like a 10 minute drive here. Like I know, <laughs> I know <laughs> where it is, man. I says, what's going on? She went, we're just going to have to get this Christmas up, right? So got all the trees coming in and the boxes. I mean, so I get sent away for some dinner where I know a couple of people in the reduction and I'm asking, I says, look, what is, what is it like? What, what can I, what can you do? Or what, what I normally do is I find out who the floor manager is because the floor manager is the most important person on the, during a recording, right? Because they control everything. Get to know them, get a wee bit of banter with them, and then I almost set it up like a an abusive partnership kind of thing, right? Where I'm the battered housewife and they're always picking on me kind of thing. Because what will happen is 
during a record, you could be doing a bit or you could be talking to the audience and the floor manager would say, right, that's us, and you have to stop because you're on their clock. You're just there to fill in the gap. Mm-hmm. So you have to just stop straight away and then you need to go right back into, right, ladies and gentlemen, remember, no noise, and you need to do that, you need to do that straight away because time's money, mm-hmm. if you like. Yeah. And some people will get a bit kind of antsy because they don't like being stopped. But I always say to them, just cut me off or tell me to shut up. If you, if you can say, Scott, shut up, then I can get a laugh at that and I can keep it rolling. So I said to him on this day, what's the floor manager like? And he went, we take everything from no. And I went, sorry? He went, no controls the floor. <laughs> oh, no. no. And I went, right. I says, listen, what is it like, man? Is he, is he up for a laugh? And the guy went, no, no. And I went, he's not. I went, no, he's not up for a laugh. And, oh, then I, and I said, joke. I went, I said, so don't mention the guy killed in the helicopter. And he went, sorry? And I went, I said, I'm just nervous, mate. I'm having a laugh. So then we went back into that gallery, right? So I, I was the, I'm sitting in this room with the, with the fucking punters, right? And I'm talking to this producer again, and I'm getting wired up with the mic thing. And he says, uh, "Would you like to come meet No Ledmans?" <laughs> and I says, "No, no, really." And she went, "Sorry, I went, I'm joking." I says, "Look, I'm joking because I'm nervous." So of course, I would. so I went and it's fucking tiny, right? It's tiny, man. Cuban heels, everything. So I could hear him walking down because it's all marble flooring. Mm-hmm. The most immaculate hair I've ever seen in my life. Like, there must have been three bottles of hairspray in this hair, right? Mm-hmm. Immaculate, tiny wee waistcoat. And he's like, lovely to meet you, Scott. And I'm like, Mr. Evans, it's, a, it's an honour to meet you, sir. <laughs> Went up. <laughs> three and a half hours recording. Three and a half hours, right, was the record. Now, the woman was Scottish. She was fair broth, and she won a quarter of a million, right? She won. You could never wrote this. Scottish person in Glasgow winning 250 on the Christmas episode, right? So all the way through, he had a pipe band bringing him on. It was insane, man, right? And there's people with presents, gifts to give to Noel Edmonds and us. Not like cult, proper cult stuff. Mm-hmm. And all the way through this three and a half hour record, the floor manager kept going, going and no, should we go for a break? He went, no, no, I'm loving the energy. Let's keep this going. Three and a half hours, never stopped. There's people at the box, fucking <laughs> legs ready to collapse. And they're like, no, I think we should get a break. No, I'm loving the energy. Let's keep this going. <laughs> I never went Bad back no. on once because normally you'll go back on and off. Uh-huh. To fill in the gaps, I just sat there. I never went on once. I just sat there watching it, and I could just hear him going, "I'm loving the energy. I'm loving this energy." <laughs> People were holding out of the boxes to try to stay awake, man. Wow. He is a psycho. Wow. He's a psycho. Machine. Oh, I'd love to get him drunk, man. Get some stories out. Oh, he's, he's, he's done it all, hasn't he? Right. Well, he to be seen. He not did all that interesting part with Holly and Philip. And that was on him. Oh, he was aye, talking about, he was talking about cancer, that. negative energies. That's and all right, that. aye. That's he's right. definitely a guy that likes his energy, you know. Oh, so yeah. uh, he's big I think on he's, that. His hair was full of energy that day. <laughs> he, was, nah, he was intense, but that, again, that was pretty cool. You like, yeah. See, I've never really, I don't really get like, no starstruck, but I don't really see him go, oh my god, they're so and so. I just kind of think, because like, they're just not. I mean, everyone's just not. Some people are mental, but they're just punters. Do you know I mean so? They're just normal dudes, man. But. Aye, I've been lucky to do a couple of cool things, man, and see some cool people. What, what, one of the questions I'd, I'd love to ask, actually, is, like, what's the worst gig you've done where it is just not went your way at all? Oh, right? mate, you die in your ass all the time, man. Aye. Right? When you first start... Oh, definitely. So, when, so, did you, <laughs> when did you start, actually? At the end of 2010. So, 10th of November 2010 was my first ever gig. And uh, I did a couple of gigs in December, and then, obviously, for 2011, like, started gigging went for it aye but I always remember my seventh gig I died my ass like proper like brutal death man mm. and um, in this old man's pub couldn't even get them to turn around to look at me mm-hmm. and I remember at one bit going gonna just look at me mate that's all I kept saying I was like pathetic man please gonna look at me mate they wouldn't even turn around to look at me 
and I sat in my motor and I remember thinking, what the fuck am I doing? You think the very first time you die, you think that's it, the magic's gone, that's it, it's no gone, man, gonna like it's me. over, right? And then because my f- my second thought was, no, I'm I'm going to go back there and I'm going to, sm-. that's when I knew I wanted to do it properly. Because then I think if I just went, right, that's it, I'm, and it I'm wasn't done. right then. It wasn't for you then, was it? No. And that gig, I mean, even now, if I went back now, yeah. I still don't think I could get the guys yeah. to turn around. Probably still sit No, they just wanted that pint. That aye, was that aye. was all his that's life was in, there, in this pint glass. <laughs> but even now, like, you'll go and do some, like, you, you just, you get to a point when you, you accept that death is part of it. Absolutely. Right? It's part of it because you, you know everyone's cup of tea or something goes wrong in the room or you say something or whatever, but you, you just, you move on for it. It's different. And now, if I was dying every single week or a couple of times a month, I'd have to sit there and go, what the fuck's going on here? But yeah. maybe once a year, twice a year max, something will happen. You'll go, that was a tough one or that was a death. But they're, they're funny as well. Like when comics are together, nobody wants to hear about the times you smashed you it. it. Everyone wants to hear about the time when you, you were arguing with the audience or, or something. Or you really fucking ran the gig out of the ground, man. That's mm. what you want to hear about. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But you learn so much from them, don't you? They are the stories. Oh, they they are the ones that stick with you, man. Totally. And they're the ones where you'll say things like, oh, I'm never going back here again or Yeah. But I'm Liverpool, man. I hate Liverpool. Hate it. Aye. I just hate it. It's the only bit of the country I don't like gigging. It's Liverpool. It's just no got a sense of humour, man. No. Scousers are just yeah, I would have thought the opposite. I don't know. I thought they're quite similar to Glasgow. Though. No, that's what you, that's the one you Is think. That what they want? That's what they want you think, right? It's just this it's the only it's the only city that can't laugh at themselves, man. So you can't make a joke about Liverpool. You can't make a joke about anything that's going on there. I mean, not a lot of stuff you wouldn't make a joke about, but you can't, nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And if you even hint that Liverpool's a shit city, they'll, they'll fucking, right? they'll just hate you, man. But now it's in my head, I'm just going, I don't know why, you don't even deserve laughter. What's, what's it like when, like, if you're playing and some warm-up guy's on before you and he's bombing it? What's that like? And you have to go out and the tone's been set, like, that guy was shit. You better be good now. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's it makes no real difference is, is right. the, it's probably the answer you don't want to hear but it, it makes no real difference okay. the, the best thing though is well the worst thing first of all is when you've got an act who if you're in a green room with people and they want the guy for them to die in their ass that's shite that's right? horrid because the easiest thing is to follow somebody who's just smashed it it's the easiest thing and I know that people's egos get in the way and go oh, I hope they fucking struggle because I'll nail this no no you want everybody who's on before you to absolutely smash it because the hardest thing in comedy is to get them going is to get them get it moving and once it's going you just need to take it over the line it's easy man so if you're coming onto a room that's like fuck it and you're going yeah it's electric right, already it. like, oh, yeah, bastards. it's Aye. easy yeah whereas if you're going on after somebody who's died in their ass as well you just go and make a quick joke about him and then they're back in the room again yeah, you go yeah. right oh this guy knows what he's doing mm-hmm. and you're fine but it's more a it's more an act thing where if you're in a room with people going, oh, I hope, I hope they die, like, nah. The, the worst, the, the best thing is if you're in a green room, right, and it's a really tough night. So I like to MC a lot, I host club gigs, and uh, you'll bring the first act on, right, and you'll come in the green room and you'll go, they're a fucking, they're a bunch of bastards, man, I don't know what's wrong, I, fuck, oh. I couldn't, I couldn't just get them doing, man, they're a tough group. And then, so the other two acts are sitting going, I'll smash it, I'll smash it, right? <laughs> and then the first act comes off and they go, 
God, that's a hard. I don't know which one. And then the second night, I said, I'll smash it. I'll smash it. Because it does the same thing. Even the headline, are still sitting thinking, I'm going to smash this. And then they come off going, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that, it's that idea that you think you're going to be the one, you know what I mean? Because the Achilles just even yeah. slay the dragon. But the, the best thing is when, you, when you're comfortable with people, you can just admit, fucking hell, that mm-hmm. was... That, that was, was tough, tough man. I, that was a tough gig. But you get them sometimes. You get tough gigs. I walked to. I love gigging in Cardiff, right? I love Cardiff. I, I think that is as close to Glasgow as one of the cities there is. Right, right? Okay. I love Cardiff. And I came out and I was hosting the Glee, one of the best uh, clubs in the country. And I came out and as I'm walking to the mic, I'm saying, right, here we go, Cardiff. And somebody in the front row, a woman could obviously hear me before I got to the mic. And I heard her saying, oh, a fucking jock. And I went, what? Now, I've not even got to the mic yet. I went, what? And she went, and she, she clamped up, because she's obviously thinking this is a telly, he can't hear me. And I said, did you just say a fucking joke? She says nothing. I was like, what about Celtic brothers here? What am I meant to be in arms, man? Yeah. I was like, there could be English people in this room, for God's sake, we need to stick together. <laughs> then you find out she's English, right? And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, here we go. But I'm going, I don't know what I've done. Now, this is right at the start of the night, right? Now, if that was my set, mm-hmm. I would have went after her, right? And mm-hmm. I'd have fucking destroyed her, right? <laughs> But because I'm hosting, you you cannot do anything like that at the start because you're controlling this night. So right. let, so the, so you're trying to keep it light and keep it funny. Going, please just have a go. Please love me. Tell me you love me. And all the way through the night, I kept going, "Are we pals now? Are we mm-hmm. cool?" And she, for whatever reason, just hated Scottish people. Man. Just when you look at it, but it's things like that again. Come back to the whole respect stuff because I, I've had a gig before where the MC went on and fucking burned the gig alive, man. Burned it alive, right. and then went. I'm shouting in the back of the room, get me on, fucking get me on, because they hate him, get me on now. And he went, right, I'm not I'm not doing this anymore, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back. I was like, no, fucking get me on. Took a break, then went back on Died again, then he's ass again, and then brings me on. I was like, fucking hell, here we are, 40 minutes later. Brutal. Big ego trip. But when you're, when you're hosting it, when you're emceeing it, your job is to control the night, man. And the other thing as well, I think, where some MCs, they, they don't... <laughs> They don't have any respect for the acts on. They want it to be about them. So, like, mm-hmm. if if you've got an act coming up who's mm-hmm. who's deadpan, who's like slow delivery, one liners, unless they ask for it, if you give them a big introduction, like, please welcome to stage, da, 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 and the place is buzzing, and they come on, it's like, hello, that can mm-hmm. be a, a changing dynamic. Unless they ask for that, because sometimes that gets a laugh. But as long as you talk to the acts and say, like, you know, what do you want? If they ask, we're just gonna keep it quite muted or. Sometimes they'll ask you to say things or say a certain word. <clears throat> and I'm totally cool with that, man. But it always amazes me certain MCs go, no, nah, I'm not. I'm they'll do whatever that. I want. Aye, I'll just say your name. And, or they'll, they'll say, I had it one night. And, uh, you know, Sean Walsh? You heard of Sean Walsh? Sean Walsh? You might know him if, no, if you see know. him. He's, he's a brilliant comic. He's a good laugh, man. Fucking loves a drink, man. My God, loves a drink. <laughs> I was absolutely blazing with him and cocaine, man, sitting in a karaoke bar. But we were, we were doing a gig a few years ago. And the MC was on and he says, uh, is there anything you want me to say before I bring you on? He went, look, don't mention the telly, right? Don't mention any of that. Because it's late night. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a festival show. Nobody's here for this. So don't mention the telly. Don't mention the show. None of that carry on. He's like, right, no worries, mate. Just say my name and get me on. Cool. And the MC went, anyway, you'll know him from enlisted every single TV show he'd been on. <laughs> Please welcome your TV act, Sean Walsh. And I was like, oh, hey. and he could go, what the fuck? And then died in his arse, man. Oh, man. Oh, no. Because if you build them up as well, you're just expecting especially gold. In every Glasgow, especially in Glasgow, they're going, this, who's this cunning, yes? 
and then they came out and, but again just some people are no interested in trying to keep the night going do you know what I mean mm. keep it keep it flowing that's interesting it's kind of like DJs in it, it uh, mate, you see, get some see, of the respect to craft and some of don't right, spending you know, time get, with Mal the comparison between music I'm, I'm, dance I'm, I'm music. just sitting here quiet listening the comparisons are insane uh, I think it's because it's quite a lonely craft do you know what I mean like yeah I, I do like working with people like whether it's doing a podcast or sketches or, or whatever, actually, whatever but when it comes down to like your own work it's a lonely craft, man, because it's you and your words or you and your music. Do you mean there's there's no real there's not much in input between. in it? You might bring something, people help you master it, put it together, produce it, but it's, it's your ideas and your, your thoughts, man. That's true. It's like you're, you're rewarding the public for what you do in private. Is the wee is the wee saying? Oh look at that! Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just I came be, me. I on a wall. Just spray it right on. I just came back to me. It was something I was reading, but that's so spot on. Like says. You know, if I'm not in there on my own making music, mm-hmm. then there's no hype for gigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm doing, I'm on. Well, obviously, it's good that we've got a collaborative sort of setup in here, yeah, which yeah. is amazing. I've mm-hmm. always kind of wanted that, but it's a it's a lonely place. No, but so. even just uh, like the whole like, putting putting music out there, putting comedy out there, it is it's it's just a crazy lonely game, and you don't know. And see, one of the things you mentioned that. You you play a really big gig like well, what happens next? Like well, I none. <laughs> the, 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 mate, I might get other gigs or no, but I, I need to go out and smash this one. And the music games all of that as well, isn't it? Like you get you get certain gigs or whatever, and then it's like how does how do you keep that momentum up? So what would be a bit of advice for young comics that are maybe let's say the past two three years now they've really been smashing it, they're getting paid wee fees doing club nights things like that for them what is a good way to get to a point of maybe getting signed by a management company or anything like that you know I mean it's it's uh, it's hard do you mean it is hard and you will get a lot of in comedy you'll get a lot of agencies who will just snap people up because they're such a big agency that they can take on 30 acts every year and the the risk that people have is they they in their head they think when I get an agent or when I get a manager, I'm sorted, and and that mm. that is not the case. Because like, you just get added to the, the pile. No, that's not right? the case. dangerous mentality. And that. that sadly is what a lot of the young comics have because they they see people on the telly and like live at the Apollo and Mock the Week and whatnot, and they think right, I'm going to get an agent and I'm going to go on that. And you're going look. There is literally hundreds, if not thousands, of comics who are oh, amazing comedians and who will never be on. But the other thing is, it's understanding what you want for your career because you can be, you can have a very, very good standard of living and never be on the television. Do you know what I mean you can build your own thing and never have a Radio Four series? Do you know what I mean there's, there's ways to do it? It's just mm-hmm. it's whether or not you want to put in the, the craft and, and you want to give it to. It. If you want a fast fix, then. There are things that you can do or ways that you can package yourself to make yourself appealing to certain agencies. But even when they bring you on, you know, you are you are part of a large number. Mm-hmm. And it's then trying to have something that, that they want to, to sell or something they want to do. And that just comes through being good. And people just need to be honest with themselves. Like, I, I don't think there's enough honesty in, in comedy when you're <laughs> starting out. I think a lot of people think that they're owed something or that because they're doing it, that they should be getting a big gig. Instead of going, do you know what? I'm actually, I'm actually not very good at this, and I'm earning my spot. I, but I'm, I enjoy it. So, do you know what? I might, I might run a gig. I might find a room and I'll run a gig, and that'll allow me to be around comics and be in comedy. Or I'll just keep doing this as a hobby part time. But too many actually come through now and go, no, do you know what? I'm a comedian or Enti- too- the entitlement thing. Listen, I had been full time two years 
Right, so I've been going five years in stand-up and I still didn't tell anybody I was a comedian because I was too embarrassed to say it. Too embarrassed, man. But now you get people do one gig that's on Facebook and Twitter. Comedian, yeah. they got a yeah, yeah, yeah. website set up. So when I got... Webs. I got I got <laughs> signed with my manager after the, the Fringe when I won the, the award for Best Newcomer. And, and that was good for me because... When I got nominated for that, nobody in the industry knew who I was. Like, nobody had a fucking clue who I was. And it was great because I had never understood the industry. I'd never understood the management side of it. All I understood was I didn't want to give somebody 20% of my earnings, right? That's how I understood. And when it happened, a whole load of people came out the woodwork, like came f- like fucking rats leaving a ship, man. I was getting hounded by one agent in particular. Like she followed me down the street, man. Right, and it was, and I was with my mate, and my mate, she was producing the radio show he was doing. And even after, I was like, dude, what the fuck, man? Like you should have stepped in there. She's putting a card in my pocket and mm-hmm. in my back of my jeans, going, no, don't forget me. I'm like, I can't forget you, another. Mm-hmm. But so, I had gone from contacting a few agencies over the last three years and getting no response to now having five agencies chasing me, mm-hmm. right, to, to try and have meetings with me. And I went for a meeting with, with two of them. I, I did sit down with two of them. And I just, in both of them, I just felt like, what what is the point of me being here? My whole thing is people, right? I, and I'll be honest, I would have went with another agency um, if if things had been a little bit different because I liked the person that I was that was talking to. I went and when I was down in London doing the Soho gigs, I met up for them. We went out for lunch and then she took it for dinner and we had a good chat and, and I felt as if like I could work with you because you're a cool person and I felt there was a connection there. But I ended up signing with Gildy Balloon and Karen Corrin's my manager, Katie Corrin's my agent. And that was because Karen had taken me out for lunch after the, the award thing and said, look, I haven't managed anybody in 15 years, but here's what I could do. Mm-hmm. And then I, it wasn't that whole, right, you know, we this is where we see you being or this is what we want you to do. It was Honestly. everything everything that she said that I could do for you was everything I wanted to do. So she didn't have the TV connections. She didn't have the radio connections, but I didn't want that. I just wanted to gig. Mm-hmm. So you would go to these meetings after and people would say to you, what is it you want to do now? And I go, I just want to gig. I don't know, but what do you want to do? I want to gig. Mm-hmm. And I go, ah, but do, do you want to write a TV show? And I go, no, no, I'm not a writer. If you want a TV show, I'll tell you three guys who've got and they've got scripts and go to, go to them. Mm-hmm. I just want a gig. Mm-hmm. I said, if you could book me a hundred date tour, I'd do that quite happily. Mm-hmm. But they don't want to hear that. Do when the industry wants to hear progression, you will fucking do anything the to Netflix get on the special. Telly. That's on. what they want to hear, though. Do you mean yeah, that's yeah. what they want to hear? They want to hear. It's I almost like you can help take them to the top. Aye, sort of make it thing. Aye, that's can it. Aye, can you, can you, you help us? Aye, what do they want to do? Like, I want to be rich, mate. And I'm going to make you rich. Yeah, I'll make you rich. Yeah, we'll be rich. That's what they want to hear, though. Do you know what I mean? Don't bother. Don't need to read that, man. I'll look after you, and then before you know it, you're fucking skintled. Yeah, but that—that's the thing. That's the problem with. The mainstream of the industry, and, and across a lot of art forms, they mm-hmm. don't want to hear that all you want to do is work. They want to hear that you'll sell your granny for a TV show, you want a pilot, or you'll do all this writing. I got offered a thing with Radio 4, right? And they wanted me to, to write a, a pilot for them. And I said, so what, what's the development money? Oh, well, once they've got it in Scotland, we'll, we'll talk about some money like that, mate. I am not sitting writing a fucking pilot with any money. Like, mm-hmm. stick up your ass. Mm-hmm. Because the other thing is now, with technology and the contacts that a lot of us have, if you get 10 grand together, you can make a six-part show. Mm-hmm. 
You can make a show yourself. People think that television costs millions of pounds to make. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. You, we've got technology. And the stuff you guys are using today, it's far more advanced than cameras they had in the early 90s. No, uh, far more advanced. I know. If you can club together 10 grand, you could make production quality six-part show yeah. and you could stick out yourself. Yeah. Stick it on YouTube for free, stick it on your website, charge a fiver for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And just get people to see it. Put yeah. your own content. No, if if your goal in life or your goal in, in an art industry is to make money and be famous, then you don't do that. No, but if your goal but if you is love what you're doing, aye, and if your goal is to yeah. create content, put the content out, and then people to come and see you live, then that's what you do, and you've got full control over that. It feels like there's more just satisfaction in that. You know, for like you know, creating it all yourself, creating your own buzz, seeing that say a hundred people turn out to see you because of the back of your your but your yeah, show, you know it's genuine brilliant. fanage, and then you can you know I mean? and then ma- <laughs> fanage is a good word <laughs> <laughs> like that genuine fanage genuine is that your DJ fanage. name <laughs> <laughs> DJ fanage that's a belter oh, uh, but I, that hundred people could turn into two hundred and then you're getting that satisfaction you're like man I'm selling out a five hundred place here thousand people because you've 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 just went because you've enjoyed it, you know. Genuinely you're chasing that them. fast no. buck. You when know? I when I did my first tour, right, I did uh, thirty six dates across the UK, and I remember sitting having a conversation with another mate. I mean, he was a comic, and he said to me, "He says, what kind of numbers are you doing?" And I went, "Mate, if I can get fifty people to come out to every show, I'll be happy with that." He went, "You're joking." I went, "No, man, fifty people." And he went, "What's the point in doing it then?" He says, "Because it's building. You've got to mm-hmm. start somewhere." Long game, right? I'm not going to be in the telly. I'm not going to get panel shows. I'm not going to get it. I want a tour, so start somewhere. Mm-hmm. But even with 50 people, if you get 50 people turning up, yep. I'll still make more in that night than I will doing a headline spot in a club. And mm-hmm. I'd much rather be doing my own thing yep. than going and doing 20 minutes somewhere when I can do tours if I want to do it. That's great advice, man. That. You've just got to, mate, you've just got to, you've it's, got to start. Everyone should just take something for that, you know, because it's, there's just, we were talking about that earlier, it's like, just, the society just now it's like all or nothing you know like I want to have you know that 100,000 followers I want to have this that and the other but really there's so much satisfaction just building we start small and just having that long game in our, mind our, our problem now I think is because we're in social media lifestyle right mm. but you look at people who I admire in comedy people you admire in music they they would have come through at a time when there wasn't no Facebook there wasn't no Twitter yeah. nobody it, had it a website right it was hard graft now you can go back to that and people can still get success through that channel you just then have to use the tools you've got in a way you want to use them so you don't have to be in Facebook all the time, you don't have to be in Twitter all the time, you don't have to be yeah. constantly putting out crap content, but you can still build a following through graft. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the only thing I wanted to do was gig. So say you gigged 100 shows, you know, it's like, oh, if, if, if all those shows went well, or most of them, people are going to talk to their mates, and then the next time round, people yeah. are on your site buying tickets. And it's 150 and you're not even shows, you on, know. You're not even on Facebook, really. No. No, no. any of it it's no. just word of mouth but I think yeah. what you're seeing even like for like um, sort of social media gurus and all these people even like your Gary Vaynerchuks and all these mad kind of business people out there what they all seem to be indicating to as a, are we is just go back old school and yeah. r- roll up the sleeves work hard don't be shouting about what you're doing before you're actually doing it yeah. go out and put the years actually in actually build a business go actually, and do hundreds of failures build something yes. rather than just sticking it in your bio well as you say the couple of gigs or whatever and then it's like oh well, we've got a website for my bookings and all that or whatever yeah. which is great in terms of the intent of what they're trying to put out there but at the same time it's like you know actually just put the shifts in first but do the clubs where they want to turn around and look at you you know what I mean and everything just goes back to respect is it Mm-hmm. Just if that is your word for everything, value. Like if you it? if you think you're a comic or you're a DJ now, right? Just 
think about being respectful. So maybe don't have a website after ten gigs, yeah, right? Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe wait a couple of years, yeah, right, yeah. till you're getting bookings. Maybe maybe do that, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe think to yourself, do you know, what? I'm going to create some content first. Don't put it all out there. Maybe wait until you've got maybe three or four, five or six, ten bits, and then you can release it. So you go, oh, there's a bit of body of work here. Yeah, yeah. Just think about things like that. Start to be a bit more thoughtful about it instead of going. Because um, the other side is people will put things out, they get nothing back, and they go, "Am oh, I shit? You're no shit. You're just you just need to think about how it goes out." It, I think then, that a bit. I, my, my own thing now is I think all I've got to do is write a show every year. That's it. That's my only, that's the only thing I need to do. Every single year I need to write a new show and that's it. Or, or everything else is side because as long as I can do that, I can keep touring. And like you say, if I get 50 people, go back next year and maybe get 70. Then you go back next yeah. year and maybe it's up to 100. And before you know it, if you can get a couple people as well, when they see big gigs, right? And like you... The gigs I've done in the past, the big ones, right? So the biggest was three and a half thousand. You're going, it would be amazing if I could do this myself, right? But the likelihood is, it's not going to happen. Doesn't mean you're a shite act or you're a shite DJ. It's just, the likelihood is, it's not going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. But if you could get 250, 300 people, that's a lot of people, man. If you can play 300 people for 40 nights, that's a very good living. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? But again, it's that whole Instagram feed in the world where people think, Christ, you need to be doing these kind of numbers. You go, you you don't, man. Mm -hmm. You just need to be doing your own thing. Because the reality is, once you hit one milestone and if you've got the mindset that you're you're not enough, like you're just going to want 10,000 people there. If you, if you get, you get 10,000, you've got, I've not got enough. I've not yeah. got what Frankie Boyle's got. But that's got, down to experience. So, you know, it's through your experience that you're that now you know able that. to say, do you know what? Like, as I used to work in a call centre, right. you know, and Stephen had been DJing, doing stuff for years, and then took over this place. And not long after, he's like, big man, you need to leave your job and help me out here. And I was like, aye, let's do it because I've got more to give than in here, you know? Yep. It's sort of similar in that way. And it's like, it's, but it's through that experience of all the knockbacks, all yep. those things, and actually now being happy and realising you don't need to be a world-famous star to be happy and comfortable. If you can wake up every day knowing that there's nobody on your case that right. there's you wake up yep. doing what you want you go and negotiate deals and negotiate gigs on your own terms it, that there in itself is freedom and very fulfilling and I think most people are chasing that oh I'll be alright once I get the million likes or I'll get that and it's like mate you're never going to get to that and even if you do you, what we're talking, you'll be empty because then it'll need to be 10 million likes yeah, yeah, then it'll need to be 100 true. million and it's like well, it's not about that it's actually just waking up and saying yeah, what we're doing today man let's get busy and I'm let's grateful. get to it do you know what I mean yeah. People who want a blue tick on Twitter, and you're like, what? <laughs> what for? Like, really get stressed out. We're going, why the fuck do I got a blue tick? And you're like, what? A blue tick? Yeah. Just chill out, man. Yeah. Mm. But then you're verified, Scotland. I know. Then, then you're real, man. Then you're famous, mate. Then, you're real. Real. then you're real, like. Then people get back to you. Then people get, oh, he's got a blue tick. I'm going to get back to this guy, man. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, mad, it's mad, isn't it? How people so work, man. I mean, you know, what, what an interesting you thing there. You know, you, you spoke about it before. It's like, and actually, we were all speaking about the cycles. Do you think it'll get like it'll call, all come back round again, where there's no phones? It will just be like people interacting again. You've you've mentioned this before, where I can't remember who it was that predicted it, but it will just get too heavy. We're just so like, Instagram heavy, social media heavy, to the point where it will just break, and it'll be like right, people are missing people again. Right. I mean, it will go back. Well, there was a what? thing the day in the news that this the uh, gaming disorder has been classed by the, the mental health. That was so, a Fortnite thing. It was a, I, so it's a, of it. People have got, it's an actual condition now where it's a, a gaming disorder where kids are playing games for I too long. Game, and they I need a game. I need a game. But they can't interact with people, yeah. man. Like, so they're going to have to wean them off 
Like you actually go to the doctors and get treated. You're for only getting out of the day. <laughs> but it's trying wow. to get them. It's, it's trying serious. to get them back into interacting with humans, man. So they're getting like, playing snakes and ladders or something, and then they'll get them outside hopscotch. But it's try to get them interact with people. One, it's, that's that's scary to think because like, one of the things you always see, like um, you know, you're about at dinner with someone mm -hmm. but you're speaking to someone else here right. on the phone and then eventually you go meet that person and you're back speaking to the original person yeah. do you know what I mean and it's like I actually seen it last night me, uh, me and my mate went out and it was like a father and daughter and just the two of them were like that for about half uh, an hour it me to watch and I know, like, man. man where's the interaction it, it's sore but the, that's happening in but the, it, it does feel everywhere. like if you've got a creative mind you can detach from that element of a slave, but there are people who are just no, they are consumed by they are slaves and too. It, the scariest thing is when you're you see, you know, when you're in a, an airport or whatever, and there's like this screaming Wayne, and the mum's just like that iPad, uh, iPad, yeah, yeah. iPad, you know, just shut up rapid. Now, you yeah. can understand if the whole airport's like shut that way up, you know right. what I mean? The mum's like easy fixed. I, I think that group of children is going to grow up with no imagination. Because it's, in it's a way, absorbed, aye, aye, they, aye, they're aye. going to have a, the an focus is always on to, to the iPad or whatever that this is the thing that gives them joy or gives them love. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, we would be told before, sit in a corner, mm -hmm. like shut up. Go and, and think up some aye, shit. Go and, <laughs> aye, go and play or just go and sit. And you had to create or you had to do something. And I can remember some times when, like my mum would come in the room, me and my brother, she'd go, what are you doing? And you would tell her this elaborate Imagine what world that you've created, yeah. you're like, how the fuck these come? Why have I had wins? Do you mean? <laughs> but then, but now just like you see, you see them sitting. But then after in, a, in, a, in another way, like no, with the whole, I try now and no beyond. Like I don't have Facebook anymore. Personal, I've only got the the, the fan page if you call it that, yeah. right? And even then, I, I, I'll admit I forget to put stuff on it, right? And I'm I'm trying to get a bit better at that because Facebook seems to be the main drive for. Advertising well, for you're quite and stuff big like on that, there right? as well, so people want to see what you're up to. Uh, Twitter, I think, is a bit more personal, but I, I know I'm at the point where I'm going right once at, at night time. I'll go on and check, and I'll reply, and then that's it. Because I'm, you can get too involved. Instagram's a bit better because it's just I, I feel as though there's no interaction in that. But even that's there's a coldness to it. We are just putting up a picture, and and a lot of the time I'm sitting going, who gives a fuck about this picture, man? Like who, <laughs> who? What am I? Yeah. How many photos am I dug kind of posting this fucking thing? There's sometimes I ask, but why am I doing this? What Aye. is the actual point? But see, see the thing to take from this, that I think that's a good thing to do because I've started to question myself. I, I have went, uh, no, that recently I went to a couple of tweets and I'm going, who, who am I Who am I tweeting this to? Is this something I'm saying to myself or is this something that has to be said? And I've deleted it, right? And I've not done it. And I'm going, see if I start doing that more often, I know that I'll eventually be done with it and I'll simply just use it for, for work right for, mm -hmm. for gig wise but there are people who are utterly consumed by it man like utterly, utterly consumed well, by you it you know who's uh, always on it Sanjeev Kohli you know Naveed style game um, and he just he's got a, just a natural knack it seems for it right. whereas I'm more resistant Aye. to it sometimes I'll go you know they say Twitter it's like anything you think about just tweet it Aye. that's what you're meant to do then I'll think of something I'll go ah, nobody wants to read that that's daft. If I've got nuts. something I think of, like something funny, I'll put it out. Or question time. If I'm watching question time, I'll batter and mad at that. But other than that, it's mostly just photos of my dug of food. That's mm. really what's only going to. But I've gone the other way, like social media, when I've had my phone, and you mentioned the airport, like, I'm going mental at my phone because I can't get something on it. Like I can't get a boarding pass or mm -hmm. I can't get it corrected. I'm going, there was a time when. There's time when you had a map in my car. Mm -hmm. Like I remember doing orienteering at school. I remember yeah. getting a map and a compass going right fuck off around the plane field. But how healthy was that? 
See that? Just so much saying. more. Aye. Just got, I remember that as well. School trips, Auchin Gillen, Orienteering Group. Aye. And one would have to take charge. One would hold the compass. Aye. One would hold the map. Find all this stuff. Yep. No phones. No. Aye. And like, even oh. the, the, the leaders would send you away. You'd be maybe 10, 11. Aye. Unlike, you know, nobody looking after you or whatever. Just go and get bogging. Break legs. Do you Aye. know what I mean? Like, I can still remember being in class and the door open and the guy walking in the big massive fucking telly or the box with all the laptops in it <laughs> yeah. remember they all kept them stored in you're like oh, fuck it this is like future, the future. <laughs> and you're sitting in this huge big laptop going if you told us that you'd have a thing that goes in your pocket but okay I mean, Google I know, but <laughs> like, take me to Escobar Studios and I mean like, that's, that's essentially what you'd have done to get down here though punch it in your phone Right, how do I get to this place? Give your postcode, boom. Directions Mate, straight to the I've door. Well, yeah, my, my motor, there. right? The sign of my motor, man, is a fucking bag of German shit, right? <laughs> it's Audi fuck. <laughs> I hate it, man. If it, even again a day, I'm shouting the motor going like, I'm in a fucking house this day, arsehole. <laughs> it just takes me anywhere it fucking wants to go, man. But even that, you're going, this, I have typed <laughs> numbers into a, into a car. Into a car now. Right, and it is taking me close to where I need to go. That's mind-blowing. It's so mind-blowing. It's not enough. No, it's, it's not, not good enough, is it? No, it's not good enough. Like a hundred metres away. Yeah, <laughs> Wait, I can yeah. see the door where I need to be. I know. <laughs> see, one of the issues as well you're seeing with young people, I think, is like on technology, is like when it starts like buffering. I said they don't like it anymore. Aye. That's like, actually don't like the piece of content they're not seen yet. Well, I seen that with the, my nephew. I seen it with my nephew and we were watching something and we were streaming it because you, now you don't just watch TV, you stream things. You stream uh, If you've got good enough in yeah, it. Right. Where I am, it's brutal. And what happened was the wee circle buffering thing would go up. So the film would go and then it paused for two seconds, a wee bit of buffering. And it was like straight away, he's like, I don't like this film anymore. Aye. And they're like, no, you do like the film. You don't like the fact that you've got to wait two seconds. Yep. But even that, their attention span is so short now. It's a straight away throw a straw, give me the iPad or whatever. I know, yep. it's scary. You know, it's, what, if it's one scary. thing isn't going quick enough, then get onto the phone. I kind of do it. I, I have found on Netflix. I, I can struggle to watch stuff. I have found myself. <laughs> I'm trying to think what it was I was watching when it was a series that came out and it was the first episode and it finished. And I remember saying to Mrs. This will be good, man. Right. Get, get an explanation. She went, oh no, you need, it's no, you need to wait. I went, I need, I need to wait to what? I need to wait when? next week. I was like, oh, fuck, this, this will never go. <laughs> You're going, that's what people used yeah. to do. But then yeah. the other thing is, really, everything now is designed to keep you watching, right? So I can remember television shows being six parts and that was it, right? And every part had a fucking purpose and it went through. So we're back at Handmaid's Tale, right? So we're sitting, no seeing the last two. So last night we're catching up with two episodes and I say the same thing. At the end of it, my missus turns to me and like, don't you fucking say it? Every time I go, nothing happened in this fucking episode. Because mm-hmm. it's new 20-odd episodes of fuck all. Aye. Walking, nothing happens. Walking Dead. That's when. After, after how, season how seven. How to not quit when you're ahead. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. That is just milking because it, man. it was great, what, four or five seasons? Aye. And then that was it. Just went. It just started getting mental, then I imagine. It's just pushing it when it doesn't need to be pushed. You need to quit when you're ahead. That's a smart thing to do when you're running something like that. That's you, you had mentioned Ricky Gervais before, yeah, before yeah. we started our talk. That's one of the things I admired about, about Ricky Gervais. Now, I quite like him. I know a lot of people don't. I love him, man. I, I, I like him, and I, uh, I admire the fact that their thing was always two series three at a push nothing pa- nothing needs to run past three series right six episodes get in do mm-hmm. it and get out and that's yeah. it and, and I like that but the, we, we have become more Americanized that we want we want ten series of blackbuster magic <laughs> Aye, but I think people would want more 
rather than quality. Aye. Do you mean even think, the same? I think so, mate. I think. Mm. I so think we, just letting it play on. Aye. I think with TV, we we film even things like even like food. Like I think people would if you gave them a, a massive plate of shit, they Scrammy. would rather have that than a tiny portion of something that's absolutely amazing. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. They, they, people want to feel now because money's so tight and people are skint. They want to feel as if they're getting more for their a buck. lot for their money rather mm. than getting rather than pay for the quality. Mm. And that sometimes is a thing when you're pricing shows. Do you know what I mean? It comes back to that. And you're thinking, what what price am I am I putting this at? And people have said to me before, go, oh, people might need to get a babysitter and they go for dinner. And you go, well, that's that's not a cost that I need to consider. But you know, sometimes when you see some comics, you get it with DJs and they, and they price up a ticket. You're going, you are fucking pissing it at the wind mm-hmm. for charging that kind of money for. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? But that is a thing where you, you need to you need to get that right as well. And again, come back to what I said at start, but having enough content to be able to to ask for that kind of ticket money. Yeah, man, that's it. And it's like, pricing yourself is actually a huge thing, isn't it? Like, in any... I mean, one of the things... So I've got I've got a couple of preview shows coming up at the end of July in Glasgow, right? And before the Fringe. And I have got a huge thing about tickets, right? So I have constantly, wherever I can, will sell tickets direct mm-hmm. just so I don't need to put a booking fee in the ticket, right? Because I've I've had some places where they will charge. I had one venue on the last tour who were charging nearly four fifty in booking fee prices. Right, they were taking like a pound fifty booking fee, fifty p for a rest, restoration thing, a pound for this. And I'm going, that's that's like a third of my ticket back on top of my ticket. Do you mean to mind it was twelve quid is now like seventeen fifty a ticket? And you're going Wait a minute here, man. Like that for me that would be a difference of actually buying it or not. And that's how when I can I will put the tickets out directly so I don't need to put booking fees yeah. on it. But it is amazing how many venues are like, no, no way. Like, we need that. And you're going, no, you're already getting your cut yeah. of the money, plus you're getting this booking fee on top of it. And, and all that is is just adding more money onto the the punter. That's it. It's, it's no coming anywhere else. That's no that's no money that's coming off for the, the venue's end or the producer's end. That's money that's the punter's having to pay. Yeah. And then you're having to put ticket prices up to cover the cost at the other end as well. Do you think punters think sometimes, though, if it's too cheap... They won't go because like, he's not good enough. Definitely, man. So that's and then that's just the whole thing about pricing up the Psychology, business. Psychology, isn't it? Right. But, but there, there is there is a point of of what you have to have a worth. Like you have to know what you're worth yourself, mm-hmm. and, and so stick by it. Right. So like if I'm doing a tour show, it'll be twelve fifty to fifteen quid, right, depending on where I am. But for that, you're getting a world class comedian. Uh-huh. Two hours, right? I'll usually be two hours on tour. I mean, you're getting a lot the, for that. Hey, you're getting a lot. I'm not saying it's good, but you're, it's a long shift. Man. <laughs> <laughs> bring, bring pieces. But the previews are like eight quid, right? Because I'm going. It's a preview. It's an hour and a half, but I will be fucking about because I need to try stuff. So I put that at eight quid, right? And again, it's worth eight quid because it's a night out. But you, you will, like you say, you have to know what it's worth or know how to price it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and some people sure. go either too high or they go too low. That's it. So tell us about like what's coming up then. Yes, so plug time. Fringe, you yes. mentioned. That's so probably the fringe, big one. I, so fringe is August. Um, Edinburgh French Festival, first to the twenty seventh of August. And what's the show called? The show is called Anywhere But Here, and it is a collection of travelling stories, holiday stories, and around loosely based around uh, losing a family member and how that kind of ties in. It's very. My God, it's proper, proper French stuff. So that is the whole August first twenty seventh. I'm in the Gilded Balloon um, every single day, three forty five p.m. 
Um, and in Glasgow at the end of July 22nd, 23rd, 24th, I'm doing previews of that show okay. before we go to Edinburgh. Whereabouts is that? 22nd is the Blue Arrow Jazz Bar in Suckey Hall Street. Um, I need to find out if it's even going to be open actually after the fire. That's, I've just realised that. Oh, that's so, terrible news, that. Oh, my God. I can't believe that the ABC's roof. I actually saw a thing today, I don't know if you saw it on, online, the pictures of the ABC. So it looks as if the ABC went to fire before the Did it? art school. Is that where it started then? Uh, it looks like it. The picture that I saw was the ABC was in fire and the art school was still untouched at this point. Jesus. I just seen like, you know, the daytime helicopter shot of drone and I was like, wow, because I played the ABC as yeah. well, massive venue. and like You don't realise how big it is until you saw that aerial yeah, shot. It's massive. Uh, it's huge. Absolutely massive. It's huge. So uh, 22nd of July is the Blue Arrow Jazz Club in Sugar cool. Street and then 23rd, 24th is Hug and Pint cool. on Great Western Road. So small venues, um, so tickets are moving for that. So Where'd you get tickets? Up, Get from my website, scottgibsoncomedy.com, um, French preview, and, and you can get your French tickets for it as well. I'm going to try and go along. Aye, we will. We'll go with Mal, maybe, if he's free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aye, give he, us a shout, man. That. Just go for a it's couple of pints, we'll go, and we'll, we'll get in about it, man. It's oh, good, because I'm, I'm 3.45, do you mean so you can get a spot of lunch, see the yeah. show, and then get messy after it? Aye, yeah, yeah. Cool then, well Scott, look, absolute pleasure. No, yes. thanks boys, thank that you. That was amazing. I'm glad we could finally do this. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure we could probably do another one. There's <laughs> probably could. loads Bad more we could cover. We need to do one with Mal as well. It'd be good to get Gary get, as well. If we get a four micer on the go, that'd be quite good, wouldn't uh, it? Yes. We should do a late night one, get a couple of drinks now. Aye. That sounds good. As long as you don't drink too much. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I'll be my best de- check out the hashtag show, oh, check yeah. out Scott Gibson's page, loads of stuff over there. So. And definitely go and buy a ticket to one of the gigs. That's the main thing, support the, support yes. the cause. Do that, man, totally. So this has been the Escapade Show number 17. Yes. Another it's great been, episode. Aye, it's been absolutely class. Thanks, boys. Aye, check it out. <laughs>